0: As I'm introducing Debbie, she has some notebook, no, bookmarks that she wants everyone to have. So the ladies who have those, can I have you get up and pass them down the rows, kind of make your way out, why I'm introducing Debbie. Um, And make sure everybody get one, pass them down, and uh, raise your hand if you didn't get one. Don't be shy, we have lots of extras. And then the extras we'll put underneath the tied boxes at the back door. Something I didn't tell you about, um, if you're not from our church, the bathrooms are over that way, and sometimes that's important for ladies. So if you go out this door and go that way, okay? Um, if you're gluten-free and you miss the announcement, if you just go to the kitchen and tell them and there's snacks for you that are gluten-free, our lunch is totally gluten-free. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to ask anybody. And uh, when that time comes, I'll direct you how to get there. I first heard Debbie maybe about, I don't know, probably about just under 10 years ago. Um, And this little lady stood behind a pulpit that was way too big for her. (laughs) And she said something and it changed my life. It really did. And it helped me as a pastor's wife because although I can stand up here and maybe, you know, sound loud, I'm not really uh, the talker in the family. (laughs) And I feel, I always have felt a little insecure, but I know that's not what God has for me. And so I'm okay with that. And I can function outside of my feelings that the enemy wants to lie to me about. But Debbie stood up behind this big pulpit and she said, ask people about what's going on in their little world. And she kept saying the little world over and over again. And I started thinking, you know, I've really failed there. I've been afraid to push and say, you know, ask more about people's personal lives. Because I thought, well, that's their personal life. And, you know, I I don't want to bother them. But, you know, it really changed my ministry. Because everyone wants to be loved. And that's all that is doing, is showing people that... That might be my phone, I don't know where my phone is, but um, that may be my phone. Brittany, will you dig through that bag and make sure it's turned off? Or someone call me, because I know it's not turned off. And with that, let's turn off our phones. Um, (laughs) But I, Debbie showed me a new way to love. I knew how to love by serving, because that's my kind of my spiritual gift. I'm fine being behind things, and let's make it work for other people. But she showed me how to approach people more directly and to not be afraid of that. And um, sh- every time I've heard her speak, she's given me a new nugget. And so what a better person, if you guys weren't at Our Lady's Retreat, um, you have something that will change your life today. Because every time, like I said, I've heard her speak, she does, oh, they called my phone. <laughs> it's in my coat pocket, sorry. So. Today, ask God, just take, a, just take a little breath and ask God, God, what do you want to teach me today? God, what can I change in my heart today? And He'll be faithful to answer that. So, Debbie, why don't you come on up? The cutest little power packed dynamo ever. <laughs>
1: Well, I am very excited to be here. I, um, I think last time I was uh, with some of you girls, I told a, a granddaughter story. And um, as I was thinking about coming this year, I remember my granddaughter was at my house one day, and she said, Oh, Grammy, I'm so excited about you. And I said, Oh, baby, I'm so excited about you. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, that's the family of God. And if you're a visitor today, and this isn't, um, you're not used to churches with cars parked in the foyer, <laughs> welcome to our world, right? Yeah, so, woo! yeah, God is definitely the God of the uninspected, and I love that about him. So, today the theme is what? The journey, the journey, what does that bring up in your mind? I want to tell you a, a a trip is not a journey. No, a trip is like a little go to get the milk kind of thing. I'm going to go to, for a trip. But a journey is longer, it's more expanded. It means that you're going somewhere, but in that, obviously, you must leave something behind. You must leave. You must leave to go. <laughs> Some of you didn't know that, but that's part of it. Yes, definitely. My friends, Jerry and Linda Body. he's a, a workaholic, totally, totally, he's crazy a workaholic. And they were, um, so Linda wanted to go on a road trip, a long road trip, and so they were planning it for years and years and years, and finally they went. And they were gone, it seemed like, you know, weeks. And then when they came back, I said, so how did it go? And Jerry just jumped in. Well, this is how far we traveled, and this is how much gas we spent, and this is where we stayed, and this is how long it took us. And then he said, but we could have done it faster. But Linda, but Linda kept wanting to stop and see things. (laughs) Go right Jerry yeah right so he measured the journey by miles and she measured the journey by memories. so uh, that's a clue that we might pay attention to there I think he missed the point so um, so what is the point for us today each of us no matter no matter how many miles We've already traveled in in this world. Life is still, it's a journey. Yes, it is. Just like a road trip, there are choices. There are crossroads. And each time you stand at a crossroad and take one step in either fork, in either direction, you are either moving further from or closer to what you really want and what you really need. Keep that in mind because that's important. Life, just like a road trip, has freeways. I loved this part. I love this page. (laughs) It has freeways and side roads and traffic jams, hang with me, and pitfalls, potholes in the road, right? Who can say amen? (laughs) Life does. It has off ramps, yep. It has intersections. It has green lights. And it definitely also has those flashing yellow lights. And in case you didn't know, that means slow down. (laughs) Some of you think that means speed up, (laughs) make the light. No, actually the whole intention is to slow down because it might be time to stop. I just finished traffic school. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) So obviously that means that there was one point of the laws and the rules of the road that I didn't get. And tragically, tragically, it's uh, one particular rule of the road that I have disobeyed since I was 16, which obviously is a long time. It's called the California Stop. (laughs) (laughs) I learned to drive in California, so it's it's just normal that we kind of slow down at a stop sign, and we look both ways, and then we keep going. You get better gas mileage to do that when you do that. Well, sometimes it's just time. And I had gotten three warnings about this. First of all, I had some kids in my back car, I mean back seat, my adopted grandchildren. And I did that in my neighborhood, the stop sign that I have never stopped at because it's such an annoying place. And um, so (laughs) I just eased around the corner and sped down the hill. And I thought at the time, and I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit saying, that's not a good example. And then the next day on the way to Bible study, we have a flashing, flashing red light and a stop sign, and, but the straight light is green, and the, the turn right is red. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> no, and it doesn't to me. So uh, I just whew, went, because, well, and then, then as I went over the hill to the, to the Bible study, um, no longer was there a flashing red light in my head, there was a flashing red hot light behind me. And the guy, the traffic cop, he said, um, do you have any idea why I stopped you? And truthfully, I had no idea. I had no idea because also that particular sign is, pl- is misplaced. <laughs> I'm pretty positive I've never truly stopped at it. So it's just normal for me. So. So, um, you know what? I so deserved it. I was about 5,000 times overdue. I was. I so deserved it. And I pleaded with him. I actually got out of my car and I said, please, please, don't give me a ticket. And he looked at me and he said, get back in your car. I never give second chances. Wow. Okay, but you know what the Lord spoke to my heart at that very moment? I gave you three. (laughs) I gave you three warnings, and you didn't knock it off. So, sometimes. You know, actually, traffic school is very insightful. (laughs) It takes you back to the very basics, which is good for us. I mean, some very basic things like... um, When you are getting ready to go somewhere, be prepared. (laughs) I had never thought of that. (laughs) I never thought of that because we're always multitasking. You know, the last thing that's sometimes on our mind is all the details because we're just juggling. But but there was actually a, a whole chapter on it. Be prepared. Know where you're going start early. Know how to get there. Don't drive on empty. I go, this is good stuff. (laughs) This is really good. And then another whole chapter was be alert. Be alert. Did you know that more people die because they fall asleep at the wheel than are killed from drunk driving? Who knew that? Who actually knew that? That is such a insightful thing and and I thought then when I read that I immediately thought of the ladies that would be in these chairs and I did and I thought of how weary women are how really really weary sometimes we can get how sometimes they're just things that are are just so heavy on us and we're dragging them around and we just feel like we can't go on and and then sometimes in our weariness we get in that fog you know, where we're just blurry. And, and, and truthfully, that's really a, 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 a warning sign that there might be a crash coming. And so d- don't drive weary. It's not a good thing. And there's another factor that's dangerous too that I had not thought about, road rage. It's an epidemic, they said, even among women. Why would they mention that, <laughs> <laughs> that it's among women? Traffic school actually included a whole section that when you're angry and then you get behind a wheel, uh, those frustrations, those frustrations that have been going on in your life, in your world, with your husband, with your kids, you're just, you're just likely to take them out on somebody else. you know, And that's a big, big bomb that could go off. And, it's, and, and when we're angry, we make bad decisions. We get angry at total strangers. How dare you drive so slow? (laughs) They're just minding their own business. How dare you cut me off? How dare you take my parking spot? So um, I hope hope you're enjoying this, so maybe you (laughs) won't have to go. Traffic school was a reminder that driving is a big responsibility. Yes, we are not the only one on the road. And they said that. (laughs) <laughs> like, I had to be reminded. They said, slow down, obey the rules, because they're good for everybody. It makes you safe, but it also makes others safe. And it also said, drive carefully, because there's a lot of lunatics out there. I mean, basically, they said that. There's a lot of people in bad states, so you've got to be cautious when you're driving. Read the map before you're behind the wheel. Alice in Wonderland was a very foolish girl. She did not plan ahead, and she had no idea where she was. And so once she, she asked and stopped and asked directions from the Cheshire Cat. I don't know, I just never liked him. He just <laughs> looks, he doesn't look right. I don't like that smile on his face. But she, she said one day, Would you please, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? He said, that depends a great deal on where you want to get to. Well, I don't much care where, Alice said. Then the cat said, it really doesn't matter which way you go. But the lesson for us is it does matter does matter say that with me it does matter it matters which way you go and where you land and how you get there it does matter because it matters to god sometimes even more important than it matters to us as hard as that is for some of you to believe and so let's close our eyes and just pray one more time lord we pray we pray, God, that you would teach us, show us to slow down and to enjoy the journey and to not be so so white-knuckle holding that steering wheel. With your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, just want to say to you, that God has plans for you, he does. And we're just gonna take a second while we're praying right now for you to kind of turn off your engine and emotionally to take your hands off the steering wheel. And let him speak from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. such a powerful, powerful message that it says to us. In this he says, I know the plans that I have for you, and they are good and not for evil. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call to me, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And, Lord, we, we want this journey not to just go in a car or to be a completely oblivious. God, we want it to be a journey from our heart to your heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And they all said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God, yes, I love saying that. So, so, some of you, and I was thinking about you too, some of you have felt like God is far away, unconscious maybe, of your journey, and um, very uninvolved, and that is not true. Hold up your Bibles, please. I love my Bible. This morning, uh, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I just hugged it. I just loved it. There's never been a more wonderfully practical book ever written. No, never. It's an owner's manual. It's a roadmap. It's a GPS. Love it. Page after page, this book answers the deepest questions ever asked by any of us. And the deepest question is always, is there a God? And what is he like? Is he good? Is he kind? Is he right? Is there justice in his heart? Does he care about me? That's an important question. And so on this bookmark, which has this adorable dingy girl sitting on the, uh, on the trunk of her car. And it kind of does look like the trunk of my car, which is always chaos in there. And, um, and it, it shows her looking at a map. And then it has these questions. What do I learn about God today? What do I learn about life? And what do I learn about myself? And so we're going to use these questions. And number one question is the most important. When you pick up this book, we are not studying just history, facts, information. It isn't just to guide you that you're smarter or even wiser than anybody else. It's to know God. Page after page, his heart literally beats out of these pages. I love that song, Give Me One Pure and Holy Passion. Who knows that song? Listen to the word, the first few words, give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition in my life to know and to follow hard after you. Yeah, that's a good destination. A journey to the heart of God is my passion. And I say that to myself often. When I open my Bible in the morning, so many people misunderstand God. Do you think that's true? Yeah. Like that new movie that we're planning to see. I've heard it's so good. God is dead. And you know what I want to say? I want to shout it from the, from the uh, rooftops. No, not true. God is not dead. Excuse me. If God stopped keeping this, this universe in order, you would be dead. Absolutely, God is not dead. And some people feel that God is the big traffic cop in the sky, and he is just waiting to catch them doing something wrong, not stopping. It's just slowing down. (laughs) Like he's just waiting to give you a ticket, a penalty to punish you, or maybe to put you in jail without passing go. Without collecting $200, it'd be so cruel. Nothing could be further from the truth. Say that with me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Mm-mm. When I got that ticket, it was like a hug from God. It was. It was the sweetest. I felt like my daddy was looking out after me. And in that moment, he was yanking me from the edge. Because sometimes we have to be yanked from the edge doing something. As we begin our morning, let's listen again to God speak. I have loved you with everlasting love, with loving kindness, he says. He has drawn us. That's so important. And again, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart. So child of God, and right here in my notes, I had, had this phrase, child of God, so I'm talking to a lot of you, and then right here in the, this, my notes, I wrote something I've never written. I wrote, even if there's someone here today who does not yet know God, and so therefore you're not a child of God, I'm just going to talk to you like you do okay so if that's you and there's some things about him that you're you're mystified by but there's something in your heart just kind of a holy tug that's god he's wanting to draw you he's wanting to reel you in for for all of us then i'll say child of god the destination charted for today is a journey to the heart of god as we open this book may we hear Hear his voice say, "Welcome to my world." So, is anybody lacking a Bible today? Is anybody needing one? Raise your hand because I think we've got some extras. There's two under my seat right there. I think don't belong to anybody. So, if you if you need a Bible, somebody's going to come and bring you one. Yeah, good, good, awesome. Okay, Because I want to do this together. I want you to take your Bible. Take your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 4. No, Mark. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And as you do, and if you're not used to it, it's right there. What page? I don't have page numbers. Yeah. Um, And as you do, just listen for the words God saying, welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. In these pages, he transports us to the kingdom of God. Ray Lubick writes this. Listen to this. This is so fantastic. This book is filled with strange phenomena. It is like miracles and angelic announcements and appearances. This book is filled with prophets who speak the very words of God. This book has earth-shaking appearances by God. Yet also, there's stories of surprisingly simple people that seem so like you and me, living their ordinary lives and then God shows up. When we put the book down, we return to our normal world, but something has happened. We're changed. We're changed. There's things that we understand that we wouldn't understand without it. We understand that things aren't always as they appear. We understand that with God, all things, are possible. We understand that mustard seeds can become a tree. We understand that mountains can become molehills. This book is a life-changing book. I hope that you will grow to love it because it's crazy amazing. It's a road map, but it's also a treasure map. I hope you know that. Absolutely. Oh, how he woos us to the kingdom, to the kingdom. Seek first, he says, the kingdom of God. That's a journey. And along the way, all else will be added to you. If you've never experienced that, you haven't taken him as your word, at his word. Seek first the kingdom of God. So today, journey's. We're going to take some field trips. Are you happy? Yeah. When I was about, I think, third grade or fourth grade, I took a field trip. And, and my parents weren't very rich, and we, we didn't have a lot of the foo-foo things of life. And one of the foo-foo li- things in, in our world was once in a while getting a Coke and once in a while getting a hostess cupcake. <laughs> I mean, they rarely showed up at our house but I thought they were magic. And as you, I, some of you don't even remember them, but when you cut them open, there was white cream in the, in the middle. And then one day our school said, we're going on a field trip to the Hostess factory. <gasps> <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. And, and, and then they took us inside the doors and they showed us how they get that white stuff in. It was just like, I just thought I'd gone to heaven that day. They showed us the inside story. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to step into the inside story. We're going to step into people's shoes. We're going to step into people's circumstances. We're going to step into people's you know, story, their, their journey, and see what it felt, see what it looked like. And then see what they learned. And then we're going to look at it from God's perspective and say, God, what did this look like to you? What can we learn about you? What do you think? You want to go? And so I brought my umbrella. And you know what this means? That it's not raining inside, right? (laughs) No. When you go to Disneyland, if you take the tour, if you have the the tour, not just the self-guided tour, but you take a tour and you have a tour guide, then your tour guide holds up an umbrella, you know, and then points the way, you know, and so that's what we're going, this is how we're going to do the whole day, okay? I'm going to be the tour conductor. Because I don't know if you've ever had some, some friends that go on a European vacation, with, and they bring back 5,000 pictures, and then they'd like to show them to you. <laughs> and the first five or six are so interesting, and after that, you just want to go home, you know? Because they're, they're so boring. Looking at some I'm sorry if some of you have those wonderful <laughs> pictures. But you know what, it's it's not like going there, is it? It's not like going there yourself. So I could just stand up here and tell you what I have seen on my little journeys. Or I could say, field trip, let's go, okay? So Mark chapter four, we're going to go, and if you have your notebooks, please open them. You have a pen, I know you each got one. Get that in your hand. Last time I was with you, uh, we said the Word of God is your food, and your pen is your what? Your fork. So we're going to dig in, but in this case, it's our journey. It's our journey manual, it's your notebook. So we're going to look at, go on a journey, and at the top of your page, write the journey to cross over. So we're going to cross over today. And it's one of my favorite journeys, absolutely. In Mark chapter 4, if you turn back to the beginning of the chapter, it says again, Jesus taught them by the sea and a great multitude gathered to him. So he got in a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was facing the sea, and then he taught them. In this day, he taught them the parable of the sower and the seed. And he taught them, as one of the lessons that the seed is the word of God, and then it gets spread, and and then it goes into different kinds of soil. And one of the kind of soil was soil that, that was rocky, that was hard. And what happens with that kind of plant, as in the natural world, is that plant shoots up and grows fast, but then when tribulation, trouble, hardship, or persecution occurs, that plant just shrivels up and dies. And it never bears fruit. And the problem with that, that, that particular plant is that it had no root. It didn't go deep. And so Jesus was a master teacher. He was such a master. He would take natural things that we understood, that we could see with our eyes, and then he would relate it to spiritual things. And then we could understand, because sometimes, don't we just see, see someone and, and, you know, we thought they were just, whoa, so strong in the Lord, so amazing, loved the Lord, he was Lord of their life, and then, they just do something weird. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they just do something bad, something wrong. And we go, huh? Where did that come from? And see, Jesus was explaining. Well, listen, they probably had a stone in their heart. And that's where that came from. And so their life shriveled up. And it wasn't bearing the fruit that it should. So it's persecution and tribulation. So he taught them and he explained it. Then he took them on a field trip. Yeah, so here we go. Let's go with them. In verse 33, and he he taught them many parables like that. And in verse 34, it says, Without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were all alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And see, that's what we need. We need to be alone with God. And some of you have some big questions, big wonderings, like what's that about and why does that happen? And what are you doing, God? Get alone with him and quiz him. And sometimes I I believe that he'd like to just say, I am so glad you ask, so glad, because he does have all the, the explanations to the mystery of life. Verse 35, on the same day. Now I'm going to read this whole stretch. As I read it, I would like you to underline anything that seems interesting or important, meaning that you would like to remember it five minutes from now. <laughs> Unlike how we normally read our Bible, <laughs> where we just read and we forget everything we just read. Not you, though. Not you guys. You wouldn't do that. Okay. So pay attention, because there's going to be a little test at the end. Okay, I think it's insightful that it was on the same day, but now it was evening, evening. And he said to them, let's, let's cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude behind, they took him along in the boat As he was. And other little boats were also with him. And then a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat, not just outside of the boat. Where did they beat? Into, over the boat. So that it was already filling. But he was in the stern fast asleep, sleeping like a baby, on a pillow yet. Isn't it interesting, the the details? My version says, on a pillow. (laughs) Hmm. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Then he arose. This is my favorite moment in this story. I love I love Jesus moments. Then he arose. He looked around. Sure he looked at each one of the disciples in the eye. And he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, knock it off. (laughs) Calm down. Peace be still. And what did it do? It did exactly as he told them to do, the wind and the waves. I mean, unlike us, <laughs> but don't always. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is that? Verse 41, and then they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this? Who is this? Who can this be that even controls the wind and the waves? Oh, that's a good question. So take your little paper and pencil and write down one thing that you learned. What stands out to you? What's, maybe it's just a, a word or two. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe it's a little thought that came in your head as you, as you looked at this. What do you learn? To me, there's only about 45,000 lessons. What stands out to you? Write down something. Doesn't matter what. Write down something. And I'll guarantee you, you'll remember it tomorrow. Write down something. Just one word, maybe. Something you underlined. Okay, somebody tell me a word that you said. Pop up a few hands. What'd you write? Yes, what? Have faith. faith. Somebody else? Oh, <laughs> filling my boat. Oh, boy, been there, done that, right? Somebody else? Yes. Quiet. quiet. Absolutely. Somebody else? Yes. Woohoo! Back here. Still oh, oh, boy. He's really putting his finger on something there, wasn't he? Okay, let's keep going. Okay, you... Don't you care? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, that's a big question. And I would doubt. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the honest truth. I would doubt whether there's anybody in this room that hasn't wondered that particular question, even if you've never verbalized it. So let's back up the truck. And let's just see what's going on here. Let's climb in. Let's be there. Let's let the wind and the waves in our face. What's the atmosphere? Jesus had just taught them. This is a field trip. Let's make the rubber meet the road on what I just said. Let's see if this plays out. And so they took him. It's now dark. It's the end of the day. And when it's, when it's evening, what, what is it? What's going on? Just even just physically. Emotionally, what? Tired. You're tired. Weary. You're weary. You're do- It's just dark, and when it's dark, it's kind of scary and it's kind of cold, and it's that at the end of a long day. And Jesus tended to make his days long, and they got in this boat, and they took him just as he was, and that's an interesting phrase, and I I, I wonder. Many times, like, what does that really mean? And it is interesting, the disciples had Jesus in their boat. But even though the multitude stayed behind, there was another cluster of people in this little drama. And they were who? Well, the disciples were in the boats with Jesus. Other little boats. And they took off from the shore, too. And they were going in the same direction. They were following Jesus. And then, and then, and then, the storm? Is that kind of crazy? I don't know if you've ever been in this place where you, you felt like, surely, that God it was leaning in a certain direction. You felt like you had trusted him. You felt like you had taken a next step. And then, wham. A storm comes, a big one. It says a great storm. Well, that's not usually what we say. We say, oh, great. Right? Oh, great. You know, we don't expect it. It seems to be a disconnect, doesn't it? And that's why that question on the bookmark, what do I learn about life? Because we expect, when we obey God, even when we, when we leave something, to follow him, to really learn that, that he's gonna make us have silky seas. That's the promise, right? Isn't that what we see in the Bible? Or should be in the Bible? If he had of letting. That's why we know that men didn't write it. <laughs> or women, (laughs) that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that this day was an important day, not just for them. This day is an important day for us. There it was, bam, it hit them like a rocket. These little boats, these little boats, they were rocking, probably even more than this boat that had Jesus in it. And and then comes that line. Even more surprising than that line that the storm hit them, was that Jesus was sleeping through it. You just want to walk up and go, what, what, what does that mean? What's the interpretation of that? That sometimes He's just off duty. <laughs> Is that what it means? Is that what it means? Is that what it means? That he could care less, you know, because he'd still live. you know when they' go. he'd walk on water, you know, he's got to exit. I like these guys. <laughs> Is that what that means? Is that what it means? Is that what it means? Or could there be other reasons why he was sleeping like a baby? One reason, well, I know that when he was with people, he was a giver. He was connected. He poured out. And you know what? That can wear you out. So he was dog tired. And every mother in this room, every caregiver in this room, he knows what you feel like. He does. He knows exactly how draining it is. And he was sound asleep. But I believe there's another reason here. Do you remember that he often said, my time has not yet come? My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. And then as he, in that last Passover, as he was heading to Jerusalem, what did he say? My time has come. My time has come. He was only 33 then. But there was a day when his time had come. But this wasn't it. And he knew it. And you know what? We got to lock that real, real tight in our soul. That entire our time has come. We are absolutely safe. We are abs- And if our sink sh- ships, that was when our time had come. Yeah. My times are in God's hands. I am absolutely confident of that. And I fly a lot. Love flying, love flying. And personally, I have a personal desire. I'd like to die in a plane crash. And here's why. Here's why. Because I don't mind dying. Because you die... When you, when you know the Lord, and it's a fast trip to heaven. I mean, just done. You're just done. Uh, and, and I just really don't want to go through the long, dying thing. You know, I'd rather just die. Yeah. So I was flying from Grass Valley uh, one morning. I had to be back at my home church in Southern California to teach Bible study at 9. So I had to take the earliest Southwest flight. And so we had to get up at 4 raced to the airport, and it was the biggest rainstorm, thunder, lightning I have ever seen. I mean, there was thunder, lightning everywhere. And my friend ha- was driving a little VW Bug. And we were just blowing all over this, the road. And I go, oh, boy, this is grow oh great. <laughs> but then we got on, I got on the plane, and I thought, why are they putting this on the plane? We're never taking off. We all buckled our seatbelts, though without being asked, (laughs) and and then we were going down the runway. I thought, why are we even doing this? And then we were taking off. Great. That's fine. I had particularly chosen my seat uh, next to this kind of cool, hep-looking young guy. I thought, well, he'll never want to talk to me, because I had to keep getting ready for my Bible study. So I stretched out everything. We got up in the air. As soon as we reached altitude, we started dropping like a bomb. I mean, our wings were tripping, and we were just all over, and I thought, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked around, and everyone else wasn't taking it as well. (laughs) They were as white as a sheet, absolutely white as a sheet. And then I looked over at this cool, young guy sitting next to me, and he was white as a sheet. And I just couldn't resist. I leaned over. We had an empty seat between us. And I said, you ever think about dying? <laughs> 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 and and he, he leaned over, clear over that empty seat to me. His face was right here. He said, yes, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I said, do you know what happens one minute after you die? And he said, I have absolutely no idea. No idea at all. Well, just by coincidence, (laughs) I had my Bible open to the book of Revelation. And I said, here in this book, it tells you what happens one minute after you die. But there's options. There's options, and just like this plane ride, we needed to buy a ticket beforehand. And God has provided your ticket, and you can know Him here on earth. And when you die, fast track to heaven. And the next hour we spent talking about the Lord was awesome. He did not accept the Lord that day, but that was a couple years ago. And I'm counting on seeing Him in heaven. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah. Jesus time had not yet come it hadn't, and in the meantime, what was going on in that little boat? you know when crisis hits when storms hit, you know sometimes there's there's trouble in the boat and it's 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 people that start complaining against each other. Have you ever been there, you're in a crisis, and you're just saying, well why didn't you why didn't you bring more oars and why aren't you o- rowing harder and Why did you even launch off? And why aren't we traveling closer to the shore? And and um, Thomas was saying, "We are going to die. We are going to die." And you know, and and then, and that's a problem. That's a problem. But the biggest problem, and I'm telling you, is when we turn it on God. When we think that He doesn't care. And then I love his face. And you haven't read the story until you've seen him rise up and look at their faces. And then this steely, majestic, Lord of the universe look. And he just says, be still. And when he said that, he spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves But I believe at that moment, he had direct eye contact with every single one of the guys. Knock it off. And you know what? There's moments in my life, and right now, I'm going through two bloody storms. They are so mean-spirited. They're so heavy, harsh. And you know, sometimes a storm, you just don't know when it's gonna end, and how much damage it's gonna do before it does end. And I don't know that yet about these two storms. But God Himself has stood up in my boat, and I'll tell you what He said. He said, Look out. You have no power over her. Your power to rock her internal boat is over. No power. David said, my heart's overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I why are you afraid he said why is it that you have no faith because when we are looking at the storm and it's bigger than us I hope you know that some storms are bigger than you they are Sometimes they look bigger than God. And fear and faith are mutually enemies. Mutually exclusive, I think is the term. Is that how you say it? They're diametrically opposed to each other. Fear and faith. Fear and faith. And then, and this is the moment that I ache for and love and adore. Now I'm looking at their faces. And they're saying, who is this? Who is this? We thought he was the greatest teacher we ever heard. We thought he was Mr. Nice Guy with the little children on his lap. He's so sweet, you so kind. But this is big, this is God. And I'm telling you, I've, I've had some huge storms in my life. Huge, huge. And I wouldn't trade one of them. What can storms do, child of God? Can, can they throw you off course? Can they? Can they throw you off course? Where you land somewhere you hadn't charted yourself. You're landing somewhere. You're aiming there and you land here. So what happens when that happens? I just heard a testimony of a little gal named Mackenzie Black. And she had a baby about six months ago and they whisked the baby away and she could tell by the whisperings of the doctors that something was really wrong and they just left her. They just left the room, everybody, and raced the baby down the hall. Two hours later, they came back and said, your baby's heart is totally not wired. Blood is pumping into its lungs and not to its body, and it's just crazy. And her baby coded, and they had to rush it to Children's Hospital and and in rush hour traffic because the condition, they couldn't life light because of the pressure on the heart. So they had to go in four o'clock rush hour traffic to Los Angeles. That wouldn't scare a mother to death. And over the next weeks, her little baby was in the NIC unit. If you don't know what that means, it's the neonatal intensive care unit in a children's hospital where they have the little ones. And on that floor, there's one room that you don't wanna be. It's the room across the, from the nurse's station. And in that, that room, they want you close because your baby's going to cold. That means it's going to come near death. And so they want you close. And Mackenzie Black and her hu- husband, are, did they, they just they cried out to God. They just took that baby to the Lord. They were laying hands on that baby. They were weeping, but, but just trusting And then the doctors and nurses were just watching this couple walk through this horrendous storm and trusting God and just being so amazing. And they started bringing mothers from other rooms, mothers whose babies were going into surgery. Doctors were coming for prayer. Nurses were coming for prayer. And Mackenzie said, I would never have chosen that room on that unit. But there's no mother that was on that unit that could ever say, Mackenzie, you don't know what I'm going through. Because she could look him in the eye and she says, I know the depths of this. Oh yeah, storms will blow you off course on your little plan but land you right in some divine appointment for somebody else what do you learn what do you learn write down two things that you learn in this story what do you learn what do you learn about God what do you learn about life what do you learn about yourself in these times And some of you need to think about who are the little boats? Who are the little boats in your life? Some of you do have Jesus in your boat. Those little boats traveling in the same storm We're looking at that boat and going, does it make a difference to have Jesus in your boat? Who's... who's Who's the little boats traveling in your world? Who's the little boats? Somebody share a lesson. What'd you learn? Yes, ma'am. He reveals himself, absolutely, he does, like at no other time. Somebody else? Yes, Chris? Stand up real loud. 13, no, that's amazing. Somebody else, yes. Prayer calms. You know what? They panicked, right? They panicked. We're a little ashamed of them. (laughs) But, 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 they took it to him. Do you see that? They took it to him and because he was in the boat, it was a local call. <laughs> Do you see that? Do you see that? Prayer. You take the, your crisis. to. You just go. Good, bad, whatever's on your heart, you just go to him and blurt it out. Somebody else. This side's ahead of you guys over here. <laughs> Somebody over there. Yes, ma'am. No, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> a sound mind. One more. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. You know what, faith is a muscle. Use it or lose it. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Okay, I want you to cluster in groups of five or six, no twosies or threesies, turn around right where you are, where you face each other and share what you learn. So five back there, turn, if you're in this row here, you six are perfect, turn and make a circle. You six, make a circle. You, You five right here, make a circle where you see each other. Okay, I'm gonna reel you back. Reel you back. Don't you love this story? Don't you love it? So many facets. Okay, I'm just gonna leave you with with two points. Remember I gave a title to this message? What was the title? Yeah, what's the subtitle? Let's cross over. Let's cross over. Do you remember in the beginning of the, of the story, Jesus' exact words? Look down at your Bible. What are Jesus' exact words? Let us. Let us. Go over, implying that we would get there. Implying what else? Going together, that he would be with you through thick and thin. You're going to arrive. We're not reading our Bibles careful enough because we're just like them. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. We need to listen And get it down, don't we? What was the real crossover? What was the big deal about crossing the lake? That was not the point. What were they to cross over? From from fear to faith? What else? The realization that who they had in their boat was a big God. And some of you are still little godders. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We're a little godder when we think that our problems are bigger than him. We are a little godder when we think that we have to take things into our own hands. We're a little godder when we think that he doesn't care. We're a little godder when we're consumed by fear. You know, there's a saying that says, All the water in the world no matter how hard it tried, could never sink a ship until it got inside. And, and that's, that's when the water gets inside us, not around us. They, they went from a little godder to a big godder. He's the god of the big storm. And you know, as you cross over, I just have to give you t- just... One little thing, a lightning storm. When you guys get get lightning, do you get lightning up here? Do you get thunder and lightning? Don't hide from it. Go out and just say glory to God. Let me just give you a little fact, just to tuck in your brain. Lightning lasts less than one second, but in the one lightning bolt, is ten to hundred million volts of electricity which could heat 200,000 homes you can say well thank you you can say well a lightning bolt is 6 times hotter than the sun a lightning bolt is 54,000 degrees. A lightning bolt is 30,000 times faster than a speeding bullet. (laughs) Yes. And storms, there are 22 million tons of nitrogen in one square mile in the atmosphere. But it's unusable for plants. It is usable when it's heated by a lightning bolt. It's merged with oxygen. It falls as nitrates. And it fertilizes the earth. And sometimes we just need to say, bring it on. (laughs) Let's lift our hands to the big God. And Lord, I know in this room there's a thousand storms some of them little showers, some of them raging tornadoes. And God, we pray that this day would be the day that we hear your voice crossover. crossover. cross over, and we would learn to trust you with all of our heart. And we pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. So be back a little before 11:30. T- yeah. Got 15 minutes. That means 25 after. Don't be late. We got somewhere to go. Huh? You can speed.